I tried to pick songs today that are all out of the Psalms somewhere. So if you look at your book, it'll have a little psalm uh, that shows where that came from. So why don't you grab a songbook? If you don't have one, the, go see one of the people over at the front. Um, whoever's doing, uh, the Walters are doing um, welcoming. You can grab a book there. Otherwise, grab your book and stand with me as we sing today. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. For He our God, and we are the people of His pasture, and the sheep of His hands, just the sheep of His hands. Sing that again. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. For He is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hands just the sheep of his hands go ahead and have a seat Good morning, church family. I'm back there happily singing away, and it's like, oh yeah, I'm doing announcements today. <laughs> details, details. So good to see all of you today. Uh, just a couple of announcements just to get things started here. Uh, first of all, today is Communion Sunday. Did everybody get a communion packet? If not, if, if you want to raise your hand, maybe we can get that to you. Looks like we've got Larry needs one. Anybody else? Well, good. And so good to see some faces today I haven't seen in a little while. That's wonderful. That's awesome. Uh, second thing is just a reminder, we do have a nursery set up for any kids ages four and under. They're welcome to uh, hang out over there with the Sherlands today. And uh, I think we're going to start with Mr. Derek. Well, I have a, a bit of announcement kind of on um, behalf of the Pack family. Um, well, there's three Pack families here. That gets confusing. The Derek and Leah Pack family. Um, as you guys are well aware, I've um, been serving on the Elder Board for the last um, six years, just a little bit over that. And some of you, I hope everyone is aware, but we are um, moving up to a ministry up north in Washington. Um, 
and it's actually coming probably pretty quickly as uh, and so because of that we are um, as of actually this month I'm gonna be stepping off the board as an elder and uh, I just wanted to, to say um, quickly so I don't get choked up but just how much a joy it's been um, well I tried <laughs> Wow, it's like three words um, and uh, you guys have just been, it's just been great to be leading and part of this fellowship. So um, we're going to miss you. <laughs> wow. That would be a lot better than that. <laughs> you did great. And we are going to pray for this guy and his family before they take off. So we can look forward to that and have a celebration of these guys and just how much they've meant to this church family and how much they'll continue to mean to this church family. And uh, we just look forward to launching them soon into what God has planned next for them. So we look forward to that. Thank you, Thank you brother, for all you've done. Um, Mr. Churchill. Good morning, church family. Um, brother Derek, you know you're not leaving. You're still with us. The Park family is still with us. You are just taking part of one plant here. Just go plant it somewhere else. And so you're still with us, okay? My name is Churchill Odrukwe. Before we joined this family for about 14 years ago, we traveled, visited well over 70-something churches around this country until the Lord brought us into this church family. And I can tell you, and I can testify, that this is only the church when we visited for the first time, we were given the microphone to share whom we were or whom we are. And when we share then, since that 14 years, that sharing has been continued to go on. We never knew what God was going to do when we shared that day. But I can tell you when we had a community that was drinking flood water for almost 70 to 80 years. We brought that story to our church. We shared. Our church told us to share. We shared. And then I can tell you today, when you go to those communities, they're not drinking flood water anymore. They're drinking clean water just because of you. When we traveled to see Almost 400 pupils who were sitting in a place called Classroom, in a shackle place. We brought that story. You guys asked us to share it. We share it with our church. And when we share that story, you go back now to those places. Those pupils now are sitting in a classroom. All the churches who have no place to sit, to have no building. When we saw those stories, and where we work as missionaries. We brought those stories back here. You asked us to share. And then we share. Those churches today have buildings. Recently, we came back from Nigeria. We took up so many heavy marks on the neck and body of men and women who would have died with those marks on their bodies. Because we share. Soon, some of my colleagues here will come up here to share with you. 
It is that frame of mind of sharing whenever we have a problem, don't have classroom, we don't have water, we don't have food, we don't have a place of worship. That same frame of mind of sharing is what has made our church here very, very outstanding. We never share from this stage and walk out and you watch it. You have always reacted and reacted to the glory of God. From the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you for that. Before my colleague comes up this morning, I'm going to read this scripture here. I'm going to read the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Verse 4 says, He who observed the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know how the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know how the work of God, who makes everything, verse 6, in the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. This is the story of wind and bad weather. If you work with the NASA here, or if you are an astronaut, you probably will want to tear this scripture out here because you work with weather. You can't launch without having a good weather. But because we are church people, we are faith people, the Bible asks us not to consider circumstances around whenever we are taking a journey, a journey of faith. When I left Nigeria, come here to study, I left with the $30. That was all our church and family gave to me. And when I look back today, what God has done for since then, for all these stories I've shared with you here, you will know we serve a remarkable God. I want to read this book of Hebrew with you also too. In Hebrew chapter 11, verse 6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. When God called Abraham, I believe Abraham was Thinking about bad weather, bad wind, something going to hurt or disturb or obstacle that he will meet on the way. But Abraham, by faith, took off that journey. Some years later, Abraham had a child. And God told Abraham, give that child to me, Isaac. I believe that Abraham knew about the power of weather and the power of bad cloud but because abraham was a man of faith was a godly man he gave isaac to god and the bible recorded in this book that abraham because he did that he pleased god and so this short story i share with you is a story that continued to move us as missionaries and the story that continued to move us as the church leaders. So I will allow 
my colleague this morning to come and share their own perspective about this story. Okay, my turn. I don't know if this is so much going to be my perspective on the story as it is giving you an update and a follow-up to the announcement that we'd made just uh, two, three weeks ago, whenever that was. Uh, just as far as our announcement and a few updates from the Elder Board, which we followed up with via email as well. Uh, the first was, you know, hey, why we're currently not using the uh, Seventh-day Adventist uh, church building. Second thing was just discussing our meeting format and our kind of game plan, just trying to find a good balance here. And the third thing was uh, sharing with you that, are, that we were considering making an offer again on the building that we uh, attempted to buy about a year ago unsuccessfully. And uh, one thing, just back on the meeting format update, uh, everybody should have seen an email this week uh, from the board uh, that Dan sent out on our behalf. Just uh, one thing that we're doing is we're now looking at, we are adding a third Sunday in person as well. Uh, the feedback that we had from people, uh, by and large, was very, you know, very, very favorable to our meeting in person, uh, while being understanding of our need to switch things up a little bit and have maybe a little bit more of a balanced approach. I'm pleased to say that we will now be meeting on the third Sundays altogether in person as well. And I know for me, it's just a huge blessing uh, being able to see all of you guys uh, on, as often as possible. Uh, one thing I should add on that, John Sherlin said, hey, this is a lot of pressure for you. You've got to get your lawn mowed. I said, who said anything about a lawn? Um, you might bring a hat. Well, we're blessed with shade. It's not quite as full of shade, and the grass isn't quite as green <laughs> as here as at, at the Warners and Rourke's. We're not quite the masters of our domain like these guys, so uh, we'll be roughing it just a little bit more. So you might want to bring a hat in two weeks and continue to bring your camp chair. Uh, on that third item that we discussed insofar as the possibility of getting our own building, uh, the feedback on that was also very uh, positive. It was overwhelmingly positive. Um, as far as uh, getting a building, uh, just with some, you know, hey, precautions thrown in there as well. And so at this point in time, we would like to move forward with making an offer. And just to give you guys an update as far as where things were and where we left off a year ago in this whole process, <clears throat> uh, the owner of the building uh, wanted at that time 460000 uh, We had a professionally prepared broker of opinion of value done, and I'm trying to remember what exactly their number in was, but it was a little under 300000 So big gap, obviously. I think they were around 280 or something like that. And we came in and offered 306000 Just in taking a look at the comps that were done, uh, we had made an offer of 306000 and obviously they rejected that offer, and here we are today. And uh, so what we're looking at doing, you know, is looking at going back to them again, uh, with a new offer. One thing that's uh, worth noting that uh, our real estate broker has brought to our attention is the cost to build these days, evidently for something uh, like a church building, uh, is about $200 per square foot. Other buildings that have more going on inside of them can be as much as $300 per square foot. But a church that's largely an open space, the cost these days is about $200 per square foot. Uh, that building's 7,000 square feet. So you can do the math and figure out what it would cost to build a 7,000-square-foot building these days, about $1.4 million, uh, which is a lot of money. And uh, <laughs> I might add, 
uh, I guess these days many properties are actually selling for more than what would seem to be an appraised value, you know, based on looking at past historical comps. And guess what? There's not a lot of church buildings being sold, so there's not a whole lot of comps to compare by. So really the question becomes, well, what is it worth to us to have this building? And one thing I should add is this building is a building that's going to need some uh, tender loving care. <laughs> it's been neglected for a while, so we're going to need to put a little elbow grease into it. But I know that we've got a church body that's real good at that kind of stuff. Uh, we'll probably even need to expand it at some point in time. Uh, hopefully we need to expand it, right? Uh, that would be a good thing. And so we're contemplating making an offer in the range of uh, three hundred and fifty to 400000 is what we're looking at. And quite frankly, we probably need to be closer to something more like 400, opposed to 350. And uh, with that, we need uh, uh, Mr. Dan here has spoken to a lender, a church lender, a uh, lender that specializes in doing uh, church loans. And we need 25% uh, down, which means our mortgage would be 75%. And uh, our mortgage, in fact, would be less than what we were paying to the SDA church for, for rent when we were uh, fully occupying the building. One thing I should add is I know a number of people have asked questions, hey, are we still paying rent? And we have not paid full rent for many months now over at the SDA building since we have not been able to use that. And we're negotiating with them now, hey, what is an appropriate amount to be paying for the use of some storage? <laughs> you know, we're pretty much just using it as a storage facility at this point. And our rent uh, was back at the full, uh, at the time was 3850 when we were fully occupying and using that building. And uh, even if we did a purchase price of $400,000, i am just ignoring closing costs for now for simplicity. Well, that means our loan amount would be 300000 which is three-quarters of that. <clears throat> and with a 15-year term and based on the interest rate that we've been quoted uh, by this lender, our monthly payment would only be about $2,300. And so that's really not a problem for us based on the amount of giving, giving and not just all of your tremendous generosity. Uh, that should not be a problem. The bigger challenges remain, first and foremost, is they need to be willing to sell us the building. <laughs> Let's not forget that. And uh, number two is coming up with a down payment. And for that, I'm going to turn it over to Dan, who's going to, first of all, correct anything that I just said that maybe I didn't have right or forgot to mention and also share where we are in that process as far as the down payment goes. Not knowing exactly what Glenn was going to say, you saw me over there crossing things off. Not to repeat them, we're trying to get this done as quick as we can. Churchill's going to pass out some commitment cards, and while he's doing that, I'm going to give you just a little bit of background about giving in Oak Grove, just to make sure everybody's up to date where we're at, because uh, we don't talk much about giving. You guys have a place to give, um, and we don't even give you a lot of financial updates. God's been good. One of the things we do at Oak Grove that's the biggest piece of what we use uh, your giving for is we are ascending church. We uh, spend 60, 60% of our budget is allocated for missionaries which is about $160,000 a year. And God has used each of you who have given over the years um, to faithfully take care of these missionaries, both locally, nationally, and internationally around the world. 
And God has been really faithful and through you, and that's been amazing. And we fully will con- fully continue to support missionaries. But when we are talking about buying a building and having a down payment and having other expenses, these have to be above and beyond what we're spending to support missionaries. Uh, we're dedicated to them, and we have no plans to take anything away from them uh, in the growing process as we move forward. Glenn talked a little bit about um, our, the rent we've been paying and so on, and so there's a deficit in the, in, uh, I'm sorry, there's a difference in what we've been p- budgeting for rent and what our a future mortgage payment would be. Uh, the difference in, in that could be anywhere from 18 to $1,200, depending on the price of the building and those things. But we can use those um, and have dedicated them to utilities and insurance and other things we're going to need to run the building. Um, you have a little card passed out to you. And um, there's three lines on, on the card, and uh, they describe... Um, have a description, and then on the on the right side, there's a place for you to uh, put an amount if God leads you to to put an amount. Uh, giving at Oak Grove has always been between you and God. Um, we don't pass a plate. We just have faith that God, through you, will provide what we need. And we've never asked for increased general fund money, and we've um, like we're doing right at the moment. Uh, we've asked for missionary support, as Churchill mentioned, and you've always been very um, generous in the way God has moved your hearts. Um, we have $50,000 set aside towards our down payment, but the down payment range um, that we'll need, depending on the final cost of the building, um, could be an additional 37000 all the way up to 65000 if negotiations tend to make the building more expensive. So that's our, our need there. We have, the, we have 50, we need 37 to 65. So pray about that. Um, this card is for you to write a note on. It's just a reminder. Um, future ministry costs. You'll see the, the second line. You know, I don't even have a card. What is the second line? Sorry, I made them, but I forget. The first line is, thank you, John. Okay, so the first line is uh, down payment. Uh, the second line is helping with future ministry costs. Um, we don't know exactly what that looks like in the future, but when you have a building and you have a growing church, you have added ministry needs. And um, I look f- down the road and I think, well, we're going to need help with preaching, we're going to need help with music, we're going to need help with administrative duties. So at some point in the future, we will need uh, financial help with covering the costs of having those ministries. So that's our second line. And then our third line is helping with building maintenance costs. Um, Glenn mentioned that if God provides us with this building, it, it has some real deferred maintenance needs, and um, we'll need some funds to help with that. Um, we're moving forward as, as quickly as we can. So if God has already laid on your heart since we've gone through this process before an amount to help us with a down payment, you could write that down today and hand it to an elder. That would be wonderful. Um, 
If not, please take this and, and pray about it. Email us. The email address is on the right side at the bottom there, elders at ogbf.org. Um, email us what your commitment will be. Um, there's no place for your name on this because it's between you and God. We will operate on what God provides through you. Let me read two verses. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. As always, if you have a question, see us afterwards. Let's pray and open our service. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you faithfully have guided us for f these 15 years. We um, are grateful to you. We love you. You've taken care of this body in amazing ways, and we're so thankful. As we look into the future which you hold in your hand, we just ask you give us wisdom. You give each of our members wisdom and just how they'll be able to help you, Lord, as you minister through us. So we ask that um, you be glorified in all things. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Derek? Thanks for the clips. <laughs> We've been getting wiser with our music stands. We purchased a really old invention. It seems to help tremendously. Well, why don't you grab your songbooks? Like I said earlier, if you missed it, we're, uh, we're singing songs that come out of psalms today. Some of them are, are ones that we've sung for decades, and some are ones that we've said, sung for most of this decade or even less. Um, but this next one comes out of Psalm 104. Um, I remember he, I actually grew up hearing this song from Fernando Ortega. I didn't realize it was from Psalm 104 until one time when we were reading through the Psalms. And I went, wait, I, I know that one. So it's to me it's exciting as we've been going through and reading the Psalms each day to see, see some of those come out. So um, let's sing this one, Creation Song, Glory to the Lamb. This one is, is really a, uh, just a response to who God is and his character and how all creation sings out to him. So we're going to sing with creation this morning. He wraps himself in light as with a garment. He spreads out the heavens walks on the wings of the wind. He sends forth the springs from the valleys that flow between mountains. The birds of the air dwell by the waters, lifting their voices in this song, singing glory, glory.
He looks at the earth and it trembles He touches the mountains and they smoke I will sing to the Lord all my life I will sing praises to my God As long as I live Praises to the Lord, O oh my soul Singing glory, glory, glory to the Lamb All praises and on top of Lassen uh, yesterday afternoon, um, we and the Hages, and um, uh, we, were, we were crazy enough to go up there with a bunch of kids, and um, probably wouldn't have done that if we had planned ahead better, but just to see creation and uh, the beauty of that, and just sitting up on the top of the mountain um, with, uh, with Selah, I was sitting there with Selah. Joanna and she was just saying wow this is just so amazing and it was just a great time to talk about God but um, this this next song is one that's a little newer to us but it kind of talks about the God that rules of all over all creation and um, the Lord of hosts and I know it's a little bit of a newer one um, as of this year but this has been a song I've found a lot of consolation in as we've been looking at a world that's very often confusing and it's neat to be able to just turn to the Psalms and look and see and then respond to the God who is the Lord of the hosts, that even though the oceans roar, the nations rage, he's still the God that's in control. Come behold the works of God, the nations at his feet. He breaks the bow and bends a spear and tells the wars to cease. O mighty one of Israel, you are on our side. We walk by faith in God who burns chariots with Yeah. 
earth it bows and all the mountains move into the sea. Oh Lord, you know the hearts of men and still you let them live. Oh God, who makes the mountains melt, come wrestle us. today, Lord, to declare your name. God, it's, it's not always the same. It's not always even convenient for us, God, but we can come before you and glorify your name in any situation, in any world that we live in. And that's why your church exists. That's why we're here, God. So together we do that. We trust you. We declare that, that you're in control, that you're God, you're sovereign. And we just ask, God, as we come before you today, that you would guide and direct our hearts you would open it to the word and that you would um you just we would walk out of here strengthened by our mutual encouragement but also just from the word lord thank you for this body god and their love for you i just praise as we go into this week and we'll continue to glorify you in your name we pray amen bill is gonna read scripture for us
See, we had the lawnmower next door, then the weed eater, and now the lawnmower again. So, um, <laughs> right. <laughs> but we have a sound system that can get turned up. So, <laughs> at any rate, um, this morning's scripture reading is going to be familiar to many of you as it's. Uh, comes from what the reading for today is if you're reading through the Bible. So uh, it's Romans 3, 9 through 20. Romans 3, 9 through 20. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin, as it is written. There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths, and the path of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who under the law, that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God. Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. One, two, three, four. Huh? Huh? You got that? <laughs> I don't think you could have a better illustration. Period. We're preaching about the gospel. And um, we want to get it right. It's very important that we get it right. Um, We'll kind of break this up a little bit uh, today. I'll, um, we've had a little time. We're also going to have a little communion, so we'll kind of make this middle part a little shorter, and then encourage you to uh, tune in next week on your computer. And um, Derek's going to come over Tuesday, and uh, we'll try to uh, record a little uh, lesson for next week. And hopefully in that lesson will be something that you and your children or children, you and your parents, uh, will tune into and <clears throat> we will give you in that some um, little bit of homework to do. And I think um, what I would call a search, destroy, and replace mission. And um, hopefully... That will be fun for you, uh, be interesting for you, and won't be um, 
too hard uh, because it's going to have to do with sin and rooting it out and finding it and uh, going on a, a mission to get it. I wanted to preach when I started this series <clears throat> um, on the gospel according to Scripture. And I was prompted to do that uh, partly because of the time we live in and looking at that, thinking that people might want to, in the, as their circumstances in life change and their security changes, and, and they might want to rethink what they've thought about the meaning of life and where they're going to spend eternity. And so uh, I see, I think there is already, ha has been, and will be even more opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ um, with folks. And so I would like uh, us to make sure uh, that we have that right. And that goes back into my um, thinking and my experience in life about several things about the gospel that I think uh, maybe need to be just rethought a little bit, uh, examined, thought about in your own life. Um, one of those areas that has always kind of bothered me is that we have folks, and I've worked with young people a lot, who have made a profession of faith and uh, when they were young and then when they were older seemed to fall away from that. And so that's always been a concern of mine. And there's number of reasons for that, or a couple really good reasons for that, I think, and one of them is that they weren't trained well, they weren't discipled well. Uh, they were introduced to Christ, but they didn't go on in their discipleship, they didn't go on in their learning, they didn't go on in their foundational truths, uh, and so therefore when the cares of this world came along, um, it choked out their faith. So that's led me to um, always be real careful about how the gospel is presented to someone. Uh, Jesus as our Savior. Um, you can be rescued from your sin and go to heaven, but you don't. You may not have to necessarily follow Him as your Lord. There, there, there's some discussion and some debate on that in, in our Christian world today. I, I'm not interested in getting into that. What I am interested, though, and that's why I spoke on the very first Sunday, <clears throat> taking Christ died for our sins, taking Christ. He's the Savior. He's not only Jesus the Savior. He's Jesus the Messiah. He's Jesus the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the judge. We will all stand before him. He, he's a God of wrath. He's a God that deems it appropriate and necessary to have eternal punishment. And so that's the kind of God you're trusting when you trust Him as your Lord and Savior. And so I always want to make sure that as we present the gospel, as I present the gospel to someone, it's not just a head knowledge, but it is a heart knowledge. They aren't just like my dad who knew the gospel very well, but took him another 25, 30 years to submit his life to it. 
And that's when I believe he really got saved. Um, so it is important for me to know that you know that when you share the gospel, when you share who Jesus is, you're sharing who the great I am, the holy God, the judge of this world and the universe is. So that when a person trusts him as a savior, there is no room for <clears throat> not realizing that you need to submit to him. You're trusting him as your savior, but you know just because who he is and who you are that that trust means submission. And so <clears throat> I believe that that's an important part of presenting the gospel. Another area um, that I've been concerned about with the, with the gospel is seeing people trust Christ as their Lord and their Savior and trusting him as paying for their sins, but then later wanting to add something to it, thinking they had to add some of their own works to it. Uh, they had to add their own baptism. They had to add uh, the taking of the elements or taking of the Eucharist or, or, the, or, or communion, or they had to keep certain uh, laws out of the Old Testament uh, that would be part of their salvation, not just in obedience to God, but actually part of their salvation. And without that, that their salvation wouldn't be complete. And so that's why uh, we talked a lot about the finished work of Christ, the finished work of Christ. You can't add anything to it. Uh, it's there. His obedience to the Father in redeeming man start from Genesis to, to the cross. And when he's on the cross, he says, it is finished. And there isn't anything we can add to that. And we need to be really careful that we um, teach people that and lead them in that, uh, realizing that they're so lost. They're so... Um, their sin against God is so great that only the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself, can make that penalty and make us right with God, right with the Creator. So there is no works in that. And then um, that is so important that um, the whole book of Galatians basically is written toward that idea that the Jews were becoming Christians and trusting Christ, and then they wanted to add circumcision. They wanted to add part of the law. And Paul goes so far in, in his statements about that that you will nullify your faith if you add, if you think you have to add something to it. He has some very harsh and stark statements about adding to the gospel what is what is already ha what Christ has already done and then along with that what I have noticed in our Christian walk is that the gospel can also be by some taught that it's not only for our sins that Christ died on the cross 
but for our success, for our health, for our well-being, for our um, financial success, uh, that, that those things are part of the gospel. Well, they're not. And so today, uh, last Sunday and today, we want to talk about the na this sin nature. Last Sunday, we took you to um, Genesis, and, and we're looking there that out of Romans 5, where we're told that sin came into the world through the one man, Adam, and then this sin passed to all men. So we talked about the sin nature. This morning, I want to talk just a few minutes about the nature of sin. That was the sin nature. I would like to talk about the nature of sin to see what it is that got passed on to us. So it, um, in Genesis, well, let, let me say this first, because I want you to write this down for those of you that take notes. Steve Martin's um, emails me every once in a while. We talk about these things. Uh, sometimes we even talk about these things on the golf course. And um, I'd rather talk about him on the golf course because he's usually beating me, and I'd rather change the subject. But uh, he emails me uh, different information that he comes across, and I appreciate that. And thank you, Steve. Uh, a couple weeks ago, he emailed me a, f a statement from John Stott, a theologian, preacher theologian. And I'm telling you, I told you last week to write something down that I, I said. Do you remember what that was? It was very important. Last Sunday, I said, write this down. This is the boilism. You need it. I said, there's a reason we don't witness very much because we don't know where to start. And the reason we don't know where to start is we didn't know where to start. Yeah, you, apparently it doesn't really strike you that great. But the, <laughs> the idea there, the point I was trying to make is we better start with a sin problem. We better go back and trust what the Bible says about that and trust Genesis and trust the truth of Genesis because Christ trusts the truth of Genesis. We have a sin nature, and it comes to us from Adam. But here's what John Stott says about sin. I want you to write this down. The essence of sin is man substituting himself for God. The essence of sin is man substituting himself for God. He goes on to say the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. And I believe that captures the scripture from beginning to end. The essence of sin is man substituting himself for God. The essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. Well, does that definition fly with Genesis chapter 3. So you look at Genesis chapter 3 and see where that sin nature came from, what, what that event was that brought that into uh, our world, our humanity. And you see God telling Adam and Eve what they can do and all that they have and only one thing that's forbidden, and that's the fruit from the tree in the center of the garden. And then you see Satan come along and question and cast doubt on God's word, therefore on God's character. And then you see Eve 
buying it. And then you see Adam buying it from Eve. And Genesis 3.17, the Lord is saying to Adam, you listen to the voice of your wife. Well, yes, and she listened to the voice of Satan. And so, in essence, when you wrap it all up, what were they doing? They were saying, oh, we have a better idea. We know better about this tree, about this fruit. I know what God said, but this is what I think. I know God's will, but this is my will. And so they, John Stott is absolutely right. The essence of sin is substituting man for God. My will, my thinking, my words. God's words were very plain. There, there was no, no reason to get it wrong. It was an exercise of rebellion against God, against his truth, against his wishes, against his desires. And he said, if, that, if, you, if you don't obey, death will come. He promised that. And Satan said, surely it won't. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but if you were living in the presence of your Creator, you were two human beings, the only two on the face of this earth, and you were having communion with your Creator. And He said to you, if you do this against what I'm telling you, you will be separated from me. You and I will no longer have a relationship. Death. Just the thought of that, just the thought of knowing the Creator and seeing everything around you that has been given you by Him, and then Him telling you, if you disobey, if you choose your way, our relationship is gone. Death will separate us. What? A, a choice. Given that choice, they chose their own way. Let's put that in the, again, a little bit in the setting that there was there. God had created earth. He had created the heavens. He had created... Um, the land, the sea, the animals in the sea. He had created the animals. He would created vegetation. And every time he says, it's good, it's good. And then he gets to the end and he creates man and woman. And he said, it's very good. Have you ever let your mind dwell on what that would have looked like in 100 years, in 200 years, in 300 years without sin? Think about that for a little bit. The environment was in perfect harmony. 
the animals were in perfect harmony with one another and with man. Adam was naming them and God and then God told him reproduce, multiply, fill the earth and take care of it. And so what he was offering them was eternity in a right husband-wife relationship. No sin, no rebellion, no selfishness. Just husband-wife perfect relationship. And then out of that perfect relationship was going to come perfect kids. And out of those kids would come other kids. And you have grandchildren. And you're gonna, you're just gonna keep going, and and you could go back, you could you could communicate with God, but you would be communicating with each other. There would be no death, there would be no destruction, there would be no heartache, there would be no bitterness. I'm creating that for you. Wow. And I don't know where that was all supposed to end when you get. Earth created was it was his intention that you go now we're going out into the universe and we're going to take you're going to go out there and, and you're going to have this love relationship with God for eternity and you're going to have this love relationship with each other for eternity and your children, your family, your the animals. I mean, it was incredible. We live at a time when we have a fossil record that speaks of death and destruction. This died, that died. We live, we live in a world where we see that all the time. As beautiful as Mount Lassen is, and you climb it, you look around, it is a creation that says in Romans, it groans, the whole creation groans like birth pangs of a, of a woman. So we get glimpses of the, of the beauty, but we, it, it's a fallen world. There's death, destruction, and chaos. Now, we could look at that and say, what in the world could cause such a change. Well, what, what, a nuclear explosion? Nu what, 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 what could have changed it all? Wow. What could have changed it? Well, I often think, have you ever thought about Adam? He lived, he, the scripture records for us that he lived over 900 years. And I gotta say, 900 years, if only, would have been a long time of if onlys. Over 900 years of Adam and Eve looking at each other and saying, if only, if only we would obey. One son kills another son. They, they see this for centuries. If only. What, 
what would cause such destruction? What caused such change that God would say, now there's condemnation, now there's a hell, now there's my wrath, now there's death, now there's destruction. What in the world could have been such a big deal to do that? And we all know what it was. It wouldn't even make the evening news today. Could you imagine somebody reporting and saying, guess what Adam and Eve did? They went over and ate out of the fruit in the middle of the garden. Boy, that, that's really bad. Whew. I wonder if God slapped their hand. I wonder if he was disappointed. We wouldn't even, we wouldn't even mention it. That's a trivial thing. Except when we understand that the essence of sin is man substituting himself for God. Man looking at the Creator and saying, no thank you, I'll run my life my way. Death, destruction, hell, all the rest come because of that. Well, that is the nature of sin. But we know what God did about that. He th it was a big deal to him. It was such a big deal that he ended up sending his son to earth to live and die on a cross and pay the price for that rebellion, substituting himself for us, taking our penalty that, that we deserve. So we know what he did to forgive us our sins. But what we want to go on with this idea is Yes, I'm born again. Yes, I don't have the penalty of sin, but I'm in the presence of sin for the rest of my life. And so that's what I want to kind of zero in on a little bit of an exercise next Sunday. Let me give you four things about sin that I think are worth noting. Sin always leaves a mark. Its actions always leave a mark. Sin operates with permanent ink. When Adam and Eve sinned, their relationship was instantly changed. She began to blame. She blamed the snake. He blamed her. He blamed God for giving him Eve. And the friction begins to set, and God tells him. Okay, this is the way it's going to be. Your husband's going to have rule over you. You're not going to like it. And you're going to have this conflict. Right there. Sin leaves a permanent mark. So, even though it's forgiven, it does leave a permanent mark. And so it's very important that we go after it and try to eliminate it in our own lives. Second thing about sin, it's contagious. Sin is contagious. It affects people around us. You think this virus is contagious? Sin is really contagious. 
the sin that I commit in my life gets passed on to my children and to my wife and to my friends. Sin is contagious. Number three. Sin begets itself. Sin is never enough. The gratification that we think we're going to get from this particular sin. Let's say it's security. If I could just be secure enough. Begets more security and more security. The sins of lust are a good example. The scripture says the eyes are never full. You can't satisfy lust. Sin begets sin. You start down that path. You think, well, okay. No. Not enough. Not enough. Never enough. The fourth thing is sin is deceitful. Sin is deceitful. It's disguised. It's hidden. It's tucked away. I'm thinking about that this week. The seeds of sin are in every worthy endeavor. The seeds of sin are in every noble undertaking. There is nothing that humans can do, no matter how wonderful, how glorious they think they might start out with, that doesn't have the seeds of sin in it. You think, we okay, let's form a more perfect union. Let's have a great constitution. The seeds of sin are in that. They always are. Because humans are always in it, and Humans always want to submit them, uh, substitute themselves for God. And so when you're not wholly, truly dependent upon God, you are going to be submitting, substituting yourself for God. It could be our wonderful best institutions. It could be our church or Christian colleges any other kind of education, or even our hospitals, or, or wh whatever wonderful, noble endeavor you can think of, a missionary endeavor, it always has within it the seeds of sin. They're always there. And if they are not rooted out, if they're not found, if they're not confessed, they will grow. Marriage. One of, my, one of the joys of pastoring over the years is having two Christian kids stand before you and give their vows to one another, looking at each other's eyes and promising to one another that they'll love one another above themselves. And it is awesome and it's glorious and what God has given us. But it's a little bit about like Mount Lassen. It's beautiful, but there's a big old volcano. The seeds of sin are in our lives. So they're in our marriage, they're in our family, they're in our kids. 
they're in our children. You can get the most precious little child and take them home from the hospital. And if, I mean, there's no, well, nobody quite as smart and cute as my grandkids, but you know, you take those babies, those toddlers, and put two of them in a crib together with one toy. Yeah, the seeds of sin are there. The essence of sin is man substituting himself for God. Salvation is God substituting himself for man. So there's two paths that I like to think about when I think about sin. One, I like to think about the victory that God gives us in our salvation when he pays for our sin. And we trust him as our Savior, and those sins are paid for forever, and I'm a new man in Jesus. But the other aspect that I think we need to go on and think, I'll try to do a little bit on this next Sunday, is how do we root out the sin in our lives and replace it with righteousness? We're, giving two, we're given two things, absolute. The presence of the Holy Spirit and God's written word. Those are the two things that we're given. And the, God's word is powerful. We're going to take communion here in a second. But I got to relate something to you that brought me to tears this week, brought joy in my heart that when I sit and listen to him preach, tears run down my face. And the reason I was listening to him preach is because Stan and Sharon McCurry's son, Bard, had text on Facebook or someplace. We picked it up. Pray for Todd White. Pray for Todd White. Well, I've stood in front of you on a number of occasions and said you need to watch the American gospel. If you haven't done it, you need to do it. But Todd White is one of the features, one of the men that they feature in there as being somewhat off base. <laughs> I just understated something. Bart said, pray for him. So I got on the internet and I typed in his name and up come his last sermon. Well, I want to tell you, the Word of God is penetrating that man's heart. And if he said once, he said 40 times, we have to get back to preach the gospel. It's not about promising people this or that or the other thing. It's teaching people that they have to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior or they're going to hell. It's not about what you can get from Christianity is what you'll get if you don't have Christianity. 
I sat and listened to that man. He said, I repent from not teaching the full gospel. He's on a journey. And if you listen to that sermon, you know it's not been an easy journey. He said, I've just gone through the hardest six months of my life. He is in the Word. He's rethinking what the Bible says about the gospel and about thinking. And I want to just tell you to pray for that man because he is in a very big crossroads in his life. This morning, if you would like, you turn to me to 1 Corinthians, and we'll take communion together. And that's really appropriate as we talk about sin and God's payment of sin, and then we talk about God telling us to confess our sins, to not harbor sin, to not keep it. Let me read a little of this to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So what we find in communion is a broken body and a cup. Bread and a cup, broken body, and the promise of the new covenant. So we have the payment of our sin in Christ on the cross. But then we have the new covenant, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the power to live above sin, have victory over sin, to have the Holy Spirit indwell us, to be one in Christ. So then he says, because of that, we need to be on a mission to get rid of sin in our lives. Defeat sin, replace it with righteousness. And I think that can be a pretty exciting mission in life, a pretty good war to be in. He says, therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat the bread and drink the cup. That's the idea as we come to communion this morning. Let's take the little cup. And as I mentioned before, when we did this before, you have to peel the little tiny cellophane top, not the big cardboard top, the little tiny cellophane top. You have to peel that back and get to something that they've called bread that we know the difference. But it's a symbol, and so it's okay. And you take that cellophane top off, and you get this little wafer. It's okay. Because it represents a body broken for us. Wow. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for going to the cross for us. Help us to realize how big a deal sin is. 
how big a deal it is to substitute our own desires, our own wishes, our own ways, our own plans for your plans, for your wishes, for your ways, our own words, our own thinking, substituted for your thinking. Lord, thank you for going to the cross and paying for that. Thank you. And we take this wafer in recognition of what you've done for us on the cross. In Christ's name, amen. It's a silly little thing, isn't it? Just a silly little symbol. But it represents the new covenant, which is not silly at all. Which means that the Holy Spirit, God himself, indwells me. And I can be one with him and he with me. And the Holy Spirit himself indwells you who have trusted him as your Lord and Savior. And we're one in the body of Christ. And we can be black, we can be white, we can be red, we can be pink, we can be old. We can have good health, we can have poor health. But we're all in the body of Christ, the new covenant. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blood that you shed on Calvary. Help us to confess our sins, to root them out, to recognize them for what they are. Not just a bad habit, not just a different way of thinking, but a sin. Seeing myself replacing you in my life for me. Lord, I confess that to you this morning that I am so selfish. I am so desirous of running things myself. Lord, I see times when your way of doing things gets in the way of what I'm trying to do, what I'm trying to enjoy, what I'm trying to accomplish. But help me to understand and root out, identify, and confess my sin. In Jesus' name, I thank you. Amen. Jerry, um, we're not going to sing all the songs there, just due to time, I think we're just going to pick two of the, the remaining ones, but one of the first ones um, that we'll sing is Psalm 130, which is, I will wait for you, and, uh, boy, that's picking up, um, just turning to Psalms 130 and looking at it, and um, what it says there. It says, 
in verse 3, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. And that was, I was thinking about that as we were I was thinking about singing this song together. Um, forgiveness that you may be feared. I mean, uh, I think a lot of times I, I think we would want to read that as, with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are thanked, or therefore you are praised, uh, but therefore you are feared. The fact that God has chosen to forgive us through the cross, I mean, David didn't know the full story of how this would work when he wrote it, but just looking forward and seeing the whole picture that forgiveness, true forgiveness comes to the cross should cause us to fear the Lord. And, um, and that's a lot of what Jerry was talking about today. So why don't you grab your books and turn to um, I Will Wait For You as we sing uh, this song. And uh, we'll sing one more after that to close tonight. I wait my soul waits for the Lord. My hope is in His Word. More than the watchmen wait for light, my soul waits for
last song that we'll sing today comes out of Psalm 42. So if you go to As the Deer, why don't you stand with me as we sing this last song together. we recognize we sing that because of the gospel God our sin was so great and so dark and yet you have flipped our hearts around um, you've redeemed us and pulled us back to you God we're so far from your original design but you're bringing us back God I thank you for that draw our hearts into you Lord be our one desire 
a desire that's greater than anything else that we have, God, I pray. Just throughout this week, throughout our lives, God, let that be at the forefront of our mind, God. Thank you for today. Thank you for this reminder from your word. And just strengthen us as we go out into this week to be testaments for you everywhere we go. In your name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.